for suit? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Well, I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. What's up? And welcome back, guys, to the Aural Pleasure Podcast. Episode number 15. I'm Billy Rutledge, your host, and today's guest, a very special one. We've waited a long time for him to finally come on the podcast. It's Nick Coffee. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. You waited too long. I mean, I'm like, what am I? Episode 15? 15. I, I would have assumed to be top three, the first three episodes, but here we are, 15 later, and uh, I guess better late than never. Well, I have some very special plans for you. That's why we wanted to wait. The UK UFL game coming up. We're going to talk a lot about that, but Nick, let me explain the podcast. Let me show you how it works. We have three sound bites. We react to them all, and we try to finish it all up in 30 minutes. That sound good to you? I'm ready to rock and roll. All right, let's see what we got up first. Team, first eight wins in the regular season since the 80s. You got to see Josh Allen break a sack record here. And look at this, Nebraska, who's a football powerhouse, wins national championships, still sold out 80,000 plus when they went 0-5. We're bowl eligible for the past three years in a row. And on senior day, that this is the class that turned Kentucky football around. Jeff Brom, how in the world are you starting this game tonight after taking that hit just six days ago? Well, let me answer, let me answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Two great sounds right there. Cash Daniels, the linebacker for the University of Kentucky, complaining about the fan support after their win versus Middle Tennessee State. And then also Jeff Brom, what many think is the future head coach of the University of Louisville Cardinals football team. Back in his XFL days, when that iconic clip that if you know Jeff Brom, you know that clip, you've seen it before. Nick Coffey is our guest here on the Aural Pleasure Podcast. He is the host of the Red Zone on 790KRD from 12 to 3 on weekdays. And he's also the creator of thecardinalconnect.com. So, Nick, it's fair to say you grew up and you love Cardinal sports. What are your thoughts on Jeff Brom potentially being the new coach of the Cardinals soon? I, my thoughts are I, I'm hopeful that that happens, meaning this is such a, uh, a rare coaching search where it's not about a bunch of names being thrown out, the pros and cons of each guy. 99.9% of the attention has been on Jeff Brom for good reason. Uh, he, he's the perfect fit. You've got the connection. He'd be a candidate if any other jobs opened up because most just assume that he's a rising star that will look to leave Purdue. Now, maybe maybe that's not a, a, as, safe of an, as safe of an assumption as we had previously because he has built it to where it's at a spot nobody thought they could be at. But look, it's all Jeff Brom. I'm confident that he will be the guy, but only time will tell. I think he's being truthful when he talks about focusing on finishing up this season at Purdue. I don't think there have been any direct conversations between he and Vince Tyree, but I have now gotten to the point, Billy, where I worry if it's not, and it's not necessarily because I don't think they can't get any other coach that's capable of winning at Louisville because the history is there to show a lot of different coaches in a lot of different eras have won at Louisville, but the other candidates out there just do not move the needle like Brom. They would not give you that spark that you need. You'd have to be sold over time on some of these other candidates if they were to get it. With Jeff Brom, it's an instant home run. And what I mean by that is it would make it's one where people would look at the they would evaluate the hire and say Vince Tyree could not have done better. They would say that a Louisville immediately got better. Of course. If Brom was hired. And 
And Nick, you know this. I'm a very big Brom supporter. I was able to cover him at Western Kentucky University when he took the Hilltoppers to back-to-back Conference USA title games and then moved on for, for to Purdue. That's been a big conversation the last couple of weeks. Is Louisville a better job than Purdue? And why is it that Brom, would he be taking a lateral move or would he be taking a step up if he were to take the Louisville See, job? See, it's, it's a never-ending argument because... There are so many factors when determining what makes a job good and not, right? I mean, the, you know, it, and it really depends on the individual what they what matters to them, right? Like some coaches, Charlie Strong, he didn't like coaching at a school where football was never going to be as important as basketball. Um, some coaches don't care about that kind of stuff. When it comes to Louisville and Purdue, I think the only way to truly know what job is is better would be Jeff Brom go to the NFL. Both programs have vacancies and see which one can attract the coach I think it's a no-brainer for example Louisville would be meaning no-brainer Louisville would be a better job a more attractive job not to say Purdue doesn't have some tradition from way back in the day but Purdue has one winning season in Big Ten play in the last 15 years and they play in the weaker division they also just got lights on their exactly their football field and they, they look they and here's the thing though they have invested into football like nobody thought they ever would meaning they are they're, they're trying to become a football um, not power, but they're trying to matter in the Big Ten when it comes to football. But let's say Brent Venables at Clemson. D.C., never been a head coach. He's one of those guys like a Kirby Smart that is believed to just pick whatever job he wants, and he's going to wait for the right one because he can do that. He's kind of the next guy up. Let's say Purdue, Louisville, both open right now. Which one is he taking? I think he takes Louisville because there's a, there's a history of winning. As mentioned, different conferences even. Have, has you been able to, to win here? That matters, I would think, to a head coach when he decides to become a head coach. Do I go somewhere where it's been proven that if you do your part, you can win? At Purdue, Brom is the exception. I think that's why, because of how, like not only has Brom made Purdue a pretty good team, he's given him like the cool factor with, with what Rondell Moore is doing and having a top 25 recruiting class. And I think everybody is just so caught up in what's going on now and not realizing that before Brom, Purdue was in the conversation with Rutgers and Kansas as the worst Power yeah. 5 football program of all time. So I think Louisville's a better job. Clearly, I'm biased. I will, I will acknowledge that. Right. But my argument is more so about Purdue being Purdue than anything else. Well, you know, I would think Brom is biased as well. He is a Louisville legend here. Of course. Uh, he is well-liked throughout the state. Obviously, the playing career with Louisville. And one more note before we flip sides and talk about that Cash Daniels clip. I mean, how did we get here? Bobby Petrino had some success at Louisville especially in his first stint. The second stint, and especially this last season, has kicked him to the curb. His name has never been worse here in the city of Louisville. What were your expectations going into this season? I'm sure it wasn't 2-9. and nine. Not at all. Yeah, it, I, I mean, it just kind of unraveled from there. I thought this would be a team that would win seven to eight games because Bobby's never lost more than... Bobby's never won fewer than eight games at Louisville. And normally they just have better players than a lot of the teams they play. And I think this year they lost to teams that they have better players than, meaning they, they didn't lose because of talent. Not every game, but some of them. Here's what I think happened. And it's the million-dollar question because this was a fall nobody expected at all. Now, I think the type of season you had here had you evaluate what he had done in previous years, and it kind of leads you to believe that Lamar Jackson really was the main reason for that. Mm-hmm. But I think the little things that matter in coaching, Bobby never really was big on. And those things matter more whenever you're losing. I think... When this team started to struggle, they didn't have a transcendent player like Lamar to come out there and remind them, oh, we've got Lamar, we're going to be okay. But the lack of being able to relate to his players, I think those kind of things matter when, you're, when, you, when you hit adversity and the self-doubt kicks in. And I think these guys quickly lost faith in the staff because they just weren't relatable. I mean, I'd heard stories 
from players that say that they didn't even have Bobby Petrino's phone number. And that may not sound like a big deal because there are 100 guys on the team, but I would think if I'm playing for a head coach, I would want to know that if I needed him, I could call him and I could and I could reach out to him. And that, that's just an example of kind of how when the team hit that wall and they needed to fight back and get better, the, there was not a... There wasn't chemistry between the staff and players to sort of circle back, identify why they're struggling, and get better. They kind of just kept going on as is, and it, it's why it not only never got better, it kept getting worse. Right, and there wasn't that relationship of trust between the coaching staff and the players. And, and I hate to kick him while he's down, but he doesn't seem like the guy that would walk into a home and convince a family or a, a, a young uh, athlete to come to the University of Louisville. So I think this was a good thing to do. I think uh, I was glad that they did it in season, and hopefully Louisville can get Brom and go moving forward in the right direction. Last thing here on Brom or on Bobby, real quick. You're not kicking him wise down. I think you're speaking realistically. Just imagine. I mean, not only imagine him trying to recruit a player with the lack thereof personality. But imagine like a pump-up speech from Bobby Petrino. You can't imagine it because it just no. doesn't seem possible. So those kind of things matter when you're not winning, and that came back to bite him. When you're winning, it's all good. Nobody cares, but they were right. winning. Other side of the coin, we have UK versus UFL this Saturday at 7 p.m. at Cardinal Stadium. The other clip you heard in the first soundbite was Cash Daniels, a linebacker for the Kentucky Wildcats, really disappointed in the fan support of Kentucky. They not many people showed up for their Middle Tennessee State game, the last home game of a very successful senior class, one that's really turned around that program. Nick, I bring this to you. Was Cash out of line saying that about his fan base who who's the team's having their best season and it seems like ever? Absolutely not. Now normally I would say there's no gain from calling out fans in any way, but I think Cash Daniels is such a rare exception because He's one of them. He's from Eastern Kentucky. Mountain boy. They will take what he says differently than they would other guys saying that. They Mm -hmm. just would. And I think if there was one guy to do it, it would have been him. And I I also, though, side with the fans because regardless of of the type of success you have with the opponent, people just don't go to games like they used to. At all. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's everywhere. But when you play Middle Tennessee State to close out the year, that's just an added incentive to say, you know what? I'm just going to watch the game at home. So um, I do think Cash was 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 justified in what he said. I just think these players are going to have to realize that don't focus. I, I can't focus on attendance because one, it's something I can't control, and two, there's usually not any real benefit from 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 taking a run at the fans. But he is right. I mean, this is this Kentucky class. This is arguably the most successful group that has been through Kentucky in the last 20 years, given yeah. that they've been a three straight bowl uh, being street bowl eligible, three straight seasons. They, I mean, they, they ended the streak to Florida. They shocked the world when they beat Louisville two years ago. I mean, they've, they have been a, I mean, it's funny because the seniors on this team, guys like Josh Allen and, and um, Jordan Jones, I mean, those guys at uh, uh, Baker on, on offense, like they've been the foundation, but really the stars other than Allen have been from other guys. You know what I mean? Like Benny Snell's not part of this class, right. but certainly he's a part of the, resurgence of Kentucky football so it's one of those groups that it takes sort of looking back at what's happened throughout their time to realize how impactful they were because again when I think of the stars on this team in the last few years outside of Josh Allen it's actually been guys not from this group but again their their overall uh, contributions have have definitely been and actually I think if anything Cash Daniels comments probably made people realize oh yeah we have had a pretty special run here and it's not as if you're competing for the SEC title year in and year out but from where you were to where you are now it's a different planet. Well, that raises an interesting question, and I know you have some bias being a Louisville fan, but answer me this. Is this just one good season for Kentucky, 
or is this a different program? Are they starting to have the right building blocks to have a much better program in the state of Kentucky? It seems like the patience with Stoops has paid off. You're getting consistent draft picks on the defensive side of the ball, and they've had a great season so far. Is this a one-time thing or something they can build upon for the future? A month ago, I would have said they're building something. As of right now, I, I it's harder for me to say that only because they have not sustained sort of where they were early on, and their offense has fallen off the face of the earth. Offense and, is bad. And it has Benny Snell in it. So um, I, I still think they're going to – I mean, it's not as if I expect them to take a free fall next year and win three games, but I would have been more encouraged about their 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 build – if you will, it, had they been able to kind of sustain that. They looked bad against Tennessee. The Georgia game wasn't actually as close as the score indicated, although Georgia mm-hmm. is one of the best teams in the country. They didn't play great against Middle Tennessee State. Uh, I think the Missouri game was one that they likely should have lost. And you give them credit, they're having a great year, but I now want to wait and see next year before I just expect them to be good because they're going to replace a ton of guys on defense. Benny Snell likely to go to the NFL. Now, the quarterback they've got, uh, he's got some upside, Terry Wilson. He's only going to get better. But I, I thought early on this year, okay, it just took Stoops some time. He has, he's, and to be fair, I don't know what they're going to do next year, but I do think they have built it to where the type of player they have at Kentucky is not like it was five, ten years ago. Meaning, who knows if they're going to be stars, but they now have the, the talent to compete in the SEC. Do they continue to win seven, eight games a year? Honestly, this is a rare, rare situation. I want to see what they do in their bowl game because that's yeah. going to be their. I mean, Louisville's not going to be a huge test for them by any means, but if they get a good bowl opponent and they come out and they just look ready and look like a team that belongs, although they're going to lose some of those guys, I'd be more encouraged in that next year. And before we move on to the next soundbite, I got to ask you about the Governor's Cup this Saturday. The series is tied at 15 apiece. The Cards have won the last six out of the last seven. Uh, despite that one in 2016 where Kentucky was able to beat and no, ranked 11th Louisville 41-38. to 38. What are your thoughts on what's going to be happening in this game Saturday, and is it possible that there are more Kentucky fans in the seats than Louisville? See, the Kentucky fans in the seats thing, I will stand corrected, and, I'm, and I guess I can't fully stand corrected until after Saturday, but I assume that Kentucky fans were going to load up on the opportunity to fill that stadium in blue and, and, and point and laugh at their rival, but... From what I've been told, as of Wednesday morning, there were a ton of seats available, and Kentucky didn't even sell the entire allotment that they were given, which surprised me a little bit. Mm. So um, as far as the game itself, I mean, 11 11 games in, each team has an identity. Louisville's identity is a bad football team that lays down and has no fight, and they are just ready to get the season over with. Kentucky's identity, really good defense that is going to do enough to where their offense doesn't need to be great. So I expect Kentucky to, to win comfortably, um, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if Kentucky's defense scores more points than both both teams' offenses. I would agree with that last point. Nick Coffey of the Red Zone, 12-3 on 790 KRD is our guest. What do we got up next? And there is the final snap of the game. Lamar Jackson hands the ball to the referee, but the ref should just hand it back to Lamar because he's going to get a game ball today. It was awesome. You know, we came out with a bang. You know, we came in and scored. Second drive, you know, didn't score. Third drive, we didn't score. Uh, I started getting ticked off. I mean, we got to put points on the board. Our defense keep getting out there. We're not performing well. But, you know, they're coming up to me. You know, I'm a rookie. My first time starting to just go out there and be myself. You know, my teammates had my back. I had theirs. That sound courtesy of the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, Louisville's very own, gets his first start of the rookie season, and he's able to get the W over the Cincinnati Bengals, 24-21. to 
He had 117 yards rushing and 150 yards passing with 13 and 19 through the air. Nick, you were able to cover Lamar for multiple years. You got to maybe interview him a few times and, and see him now on the big stage in the NFL. How do you think he's done so far? Well, what I love about Lamar and the Ravens so far is that they're not trying to change who he is. There's a reason that records were broken when he played on Sunday because quarterbacks just don't run the ball like like he does. And obviously he can't do it at the rate he did in college because history's not on his side. There's a reason those guys don't last very long. Mm-hmm. And he's got improvement to do as being a pocket quarterback, needs to improve on consistently being accurate. But I love that they realize, look, this guy is is once in a lifetime as far as his ability to run the ball at that position, and we're not going to try to change who he is. Now, obviously, he can't run it every single time, and if he can't make a throw, then he can't play. But I was encouraged by that. They didn't try. They, they, they simplified the offense for him, and I think he also made some plays with his arm in that game that lead you to believe he can do it. Now, he's got to get better. It'd be different if Lamar was a guy who just simply, every time he dropped back, you thought, why the hell is that guy playing quarterback? He obviously is much more... He has some threat to yes, pass. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and he can get better. Now, will he do it to the level of being a, 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 you know, a long-term NFL QB? Only time will tell. But I think the Baltimore Ravens have been very smart about how they've not tried to change who he is. Because if you did that, you would basically make him a much less effective guy than, than, than he can be. You've got to be careful. But to just try to make him into a pocket guy and rarely ever use him on the ground would be... You would have been wasting a first-round pick and taking him if you did that. No, you're, you're exactly right. Drafted 32nd overall to the Baltimore Ravens who traded up to get him. Offensive coordinator Marty Martingwig is a guy who worked with Michael Vick in his prime with the Atlanta Falcons, and it seems like he implemented that read option college offense in that game because they ran 11 times on the first drive for them to score. So I think you're exactly right. Lamar has to be in a system that embraces his talents and not trying to drop back and pass every single time like a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning. And you see so many of these quarterbacks taken early, just thrown into the fire, and you have to... That they have to sort of conform to whatever this this system is, whatever right. fran- whatever that franchise is working with, and Lamar is the perfect example of a guy you can't do that with. It's unfortunate for him, but you've got to conform to him. You've got to be able to look at what he is because he's unique and work with it. And I think they had a plan against the Bengals, and it paid off. And here's to hoping that if he continues to get those reps, each time you see a new wrinkle of how they're going to utilize him and sort of get more and more comfortable with him doing other things than just taking off and running. And something I realized in the last few weeks is that. Lamar Jackson was the biggest Band-Aid to Bobby Petrino in the University of Louisville when he was here than I've ever seen. He must have been the most talented college football player there ever was in how seeing how talented he is and how lack thereof Louisville is now that he's left. Don't you think it's fair Lamar gets seven of the $14 million that Bobby's getting? <laughs> I mean, I think that makes sense. At least. Yeah, no, at yeah, least. That's fair. I, I like that exactly. Nick Coffey is our guest. He is the creator of the Cardinal Connect com. You can follow him on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle at, at Nick? The Card Connect. At the Card Connect. Nick, do you have any Thanksgiving plans, my man? I do. I've got your typical go to the family or go with the family and just inhale nonstop food. Um, but I actually talked about this on my show. My family, meaning my direct family, my wife and my daughter. Now she doesn't have a say so because she's two. But we want to start our own tradition. Okay. Like, not that, because we already have our traditions with our family, with her family, but like the immediate family, the three of us. And then when we have another kid, it'll grow. But like, we want to do something every year, just us. But we, we, we are limited in what we should, like, we, we, we don't want to just cook our own food. We've already got other meals to eat elsewhere. So we're, we're, we're kind of uh, struggling to come up with something creative. I'm thinking about maybe going to Churchill Downs for a little while, make that our thing. But I want to do something and stick with it. I think if I did the Churchill Downs thing, there'd be a couple of years where I'd be like, yeah. 
I'm just not feeling it. So I have the normal plans that I've had forever, eat a lot of food, watch some football, but I'm trying to spice it up and uh, and I'm I'm sort of at a loss at a loss here for what I should do. No, that's uh, it's actually funny you bring that up. I went to Churchill Downs for Thanksgiving a couple years ago. My family went out of town. I had to work. I could not go with them, and so I went with my grandma who was in town eventually. And uh, we were able to go there. It was a little bit overrated. You know, I did miss. Well, it's become like a thing, right? It like is. People yeah. go, yeah. More people have gone. But I can't not go anymore and miss the football, miss the napping throughout the day. And as your tradition question goes, you know, I'm just throwing this out there. You can accept it or deny it if you want. Try maybe a different dessert every time. I've seen a lot of things on social media about what is the favorite pie of your region, Right. And you see like coconut cream pie, you're seeing pecan pie, you're seeing pumpkin pie, apple pie. Even Lamar Jackson has pie on his mind. Well, you good. I can't wait to Thanksgiving tomorrow, man. My mom's cooking um, sweet potato pie. That's the best. You know, that's the best part. I can't wait to touch that. I can taste it now. Maybe your tradition can be at one different pie every year. Well, see, it just doesn't fit because I'm not a big dessert guy. Oh, come on. I go back for like, I'll do my fourth helping of macaroni and cheese before I would ever get to the sweets. Now my wife, that's a different that's a different conversation. Well what's She's your favorite dish then? See, I go Because mine is either stuffing or cranberry sauce that is in the can. It has to be indented ah. of the can and served at Thanksgiving dinner. See, if it's not there, we're not eating. I this is such a terrible answer, but I like them all. Like when it comes to stuffing, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, green beans, uh corn casserole. I mean any other casserole, bro- broccoli casserole. I would say the one that I am the the, the combo, and this is two. This is a two answer: the mashed potatoes because my grandmothers are so good, the stuffing, and then the gravy on both of them. That's kind of like that's what I think of when I think, "Oh God, I can't wait." Well, it's, you, it's, it's generic. Thinking it's, of all the dishes is your favorite, but uh, we will accept it now. So Bears, Lions, let's see, Skins, Cowboys, and Falcons, Saints on Thanksgiving Day. You got any memories of watching these games as a kid? I mean, a staple for me, when I think of Thanksgiving, it was some backyard football. It was watching football all throughout the day. And that's as American as part of Thanksgiving as Turkey. I just know the Cowboys and the Lions always play. That's what I think of. There's not a memory of anything in the NFL. I do remember one year when I was a kid, we did do a little backyard football, which was a lot of fun. But I grew up with... uh, my dad's side of the family is really small. He has just two brothers, and they, they're a lot... My cousins, they are. They're a lot... Uh, mm-hmm. He ha- Anyways, two brothers on my dad's side. They each have three sons, and they never... Like, they're a lot older than me, so they never lived around here. So it was like every few years I would see them. That never became a tradition. Not that, I'm, not that I would ever be a good football player, but I feel like I wish I would have had that more often than I did. Besides the football, the next day we also have that Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson match. Uh, that will be at 3 p.m., a pay-per-view costing $20 on Bleacher Report Live. We've seen the trash talk between the two, which I don't think they even know how to trash talk correctly. It was the most awkward thing I've it ever seen. It is awkward. Now, they've done a good job promoting it, kind of being cute about it, but it was almost like it's being promoted like the like the uh, you know Mayweather-McGregor fight. And these guys, it, it, golf in general is not one for good trash talk. Mm-hmm. So the kind of playful back and forth, it's almost kind of awkward, but... The only thing that makes this thing stink is that like if it there was actually something on the line for both guys, then I would be more into it. But you know, whoever loses, it's not really their own money, and we're still gonna look at both of these guys as two of the best of all time. And there's no like I don't think there's any real legitimate beef between them, right? I mean, in fact, their promo of this thing has made me seem like they're more chummy than I ever knew. 
Yeah, it's not like a golf rivalry is you're at somebody's neck and you're calling their mother names. It's it's a little bit different. It's Tiger Woods being in Phil Mickelson's head for the last 20 years. That'll be on the sounds of the week if you want to listen to it after the show. It's Tiger Woods dominating for so long over Phil, where Phil could not win a major as one of the best players in the world for so long. He's so in his head. I disagree with most people and you about this entire event. I am all in. I am going to be watching all of it, and it is some of their own money. The side bets that they do on the, you know, but besides the nine guys, million dollars for those guys, it's nothing. But it's still interesting, and it's still funny when Tiger doubles Phil Mickelson's bet in the in the press conference. I, I think mean, it's, it's good fun. I mean, it's it's better than nothing. I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like had there been more, like, honestly, I wish they were taking it more serious. I'm sure they're going to be competitive when they're out there, but, like, right. the overall kind of just, eh, we're having fun, it kind of makes me think, well, I'll watch, I'll pay attention, but... If they genuinely hated each other, then it'd be more fun. Well, as much as Tiger, Tiger cusses when he swings the golf club, and I'm sure he'll be on his best behavior, but I do like that they're both wearing microphones. Yeah, that will help. No doubt about that. They'll, be, they'll definitely be more careful of what they say, but that could only lead... Like, if it does get heated, we'll be able to hear it. All right, let's see what we got up next. You're qualified, motivated, and ready to work, but you smoke... Too bad. A new bill pre-filed in Kentucky would allow employers to discriminate against smokers. Companies could choose not to hire smokers or fire them if they light up on the job. The bill would still let employers charge different rates for smokers and non-smokers in employer-sponsored health plans. That sound courtesy of WDRB in Louisville. A little bit different. Not sports here on the Oral Pleasure podcast, but we like to mix it up. A Republican Kentucky State Senator John Schickel has proposed a bill that can discriminate against smokers in the workforce. As it applies now, you cannot hire or fire someone from a job just because they smoke. But now this bill saying is that you can. Quote from John Schickel is that companies should be able to hire whoever they want. And this is a um, something that has gone on for far too long. Nick, I don't think you're a smoker. I don't think most people in the radio industry can smoke, but what are your thoughts on taking away smokers' rights? Is it a right to smoke in America? I mean, it's a right, but I also think it's a right to hire whoever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be sort of unfortunate for people to, because like, you don't want to judge people based off the fact that they smoke, but it's human nature to judge people. We act like we don't, but we do. And smokers, I think the uh, it is more socially unacceptable for smokers in America than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. You, you know, over the years, I don't even know if you're old enough, Billy, but you used to be able to smoke pretty regularly in every, in every, in er, anywhere. No, and, you're right. And now you can't walk into restaurants. I mean, there's very rare, there's very rarely places that you can smoke anywhere. Um, they used to have designated areas indoor places to smoke. You can't do that anymore because it's just, it's, it's no longer um, nearly as accepted as it once was. But if I owned a company and mm-hmm. I was interviewing candidates and I'm being honest, I would I wouldn't factor that in as the ultimate decider if this guy smokes or this guy doesn't which one am I going to hire but I would sort of think about the whole okay this is somebody that might not take great care of himself this is somebody who um might need those smoke breaks so um I have a tough time seeing it being passed just because there're probably a lot more people that smoke than I even realize mm-hmm. but definitely interesting because I my get when my first reaction to this Billy was that there are probably people that already do that anyway and it's just not the reason they give you know what I mean like yeah. I'm sure just human nature takes over and they just 
even if they don't know they're doing it, they are thinking of someone differently knowing they are smokers. Well, some of the other protections that you cannot hire or fire someone solely based on is race, religion, national origin, sex, age, or disability. Because those are things you can't help. Smoking is something you can't help. Yeah, it's a choice. But I th- I happen to disagree with this, Nick, and your sentiment, because here's why. Today, it's smoking. They'll take that away. Tomorrow, it's you're overweight too much and they can't hire you. It is the slippery slope and the beginning of the end of a free society. I think it's going to go straight into socialism because think about it, Nick. When are they going to stop? Well, my thing would be, I I go back to what I said a moment ago. I think a lot of this stuff already happens to an extent, but it would be at an all-time high if they were able to come out and say it and be and be able to claim, you know, not have to give you the, well, we decided to go with somebody else or, hey, we have to let you go. We're making cuts. They could just come out and say, hey, you're a smoker. Hey, you're fat. And that is not really a world I wouldn't live in where it becomes to where, I mean, you limit people from being able to provide for their family based right. off the fact that they aren't as healthy as you. They have a different lifestyle. They may, they may smoke. Um, I just... Look, they're already going to get cancer. They already have to pay more in health insurance. Yeah. And, you know, they only get 15-minute breaks here and there. Is it that really big of a detriment to your company that you're going to have to force it off of a bill. I mean, it is already supported by Greater Louisville Inc. and the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce, both saying that they would want to move forward with this bill once the legislation begins. So I think that's something you could really see in the future. Let me ask you this, Billy. You don't have as many years of experience in the professional workforce like myself. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm an ancient guy, but I am older than you. You actually make me feel very young. But you make me feel old because you're young, I should say. You don't make me feel young. You remind me that I'm that I'm aging too quickly. But have you ever had a have you ever worked with somebody who you never knew smoked? And it and it truly wasn't any kind of a because it really isn't a factor on their job, but it all depends on what kind of job you have. Like there was somebody that, that I worked with before I got my start in full time radio. I worked in I had the cube life. I worked in a cubicle and there was a woman that worked with me and it took me like two years of working with her to know that she smoked because she did not take any normal amount of breaks and she never smelled like smoke. And like that was the ultimate reminder of me. When I saw that she smoked, I thought of her differently, which I shouldn't have. But sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't mean to judge people, but it's, it's hard not to. And um, that sort of leads me into this conversation to think that, you know, that was an example of it not affecting anybody. They were great at their job. So maybe this, you know, because you're a smoker doesn't mean you should be looked at any different, even though some people will do that. I got two cigarette stories. All right, let's hear it. Really the only, uh, you know, experience that I've had with it. The first one is I went up to Salem, Indiana and walked in a Waffle House and every single person in the building had a cigarette in their mouth. I think they actually smoked two per time there at a time there. <laughs> I mean, they had they gave us an ashtray when we got to the table with the our water. What were you doing in Salem, Indiana? I was coming back from a trip. I believe we were in Indy. And so we were coming back, go. stopped in Waffle sense. House, and it was a different world. And oh, I yeah. can imagine it was like that we're just about what, Southern Indiana, 30, Billy. 40 years ago. So I was just blown away that this was what it used to be like, and I oh, imagine yeah. it would. And to answer your question, I've never worked with someone and not known that they smoked, but I joined a fraternity and didn't know how much of a problem it was in Greek life. So I went through it all. I went to Sigma Phi Epsilon at Western Kentucky University, was there for two years. And, I, and throughout Rush and the entire time, the introduction process, I didn't know that these guys smoked cigarettes as much as they did. We had a couple uh, of cigars on the last night of Rush, but that was it. First meeting that we have with the new inductees, I mean, everybody was smoking cigs, Nick. Passing it around. Who's got the lighter? Who's got the lighter? And everybody's burning cigs the entire time. 
heaters, smoking cigs inside. They were obsessed. Did, and you, now, did you fall to the peer pressure? I smoked a cig before in my life, yes, but I can proud to say that I don't anymore. That's for sure. Well, it's funny. I, uh, I truly believe that the cliche is, is, is real. Like, it depends on who you grew up around. Like, I, I never had friends of mine growing up that smoked, and I can tell you at 30 years of age, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Not one. Honestly, I've never been offered one. So therefore, like I never had the peer pressure. But then once I got older, I'm like, because even people my age or older, even maybe younger would say they don't want to be smokers. They just started right. and they can't stop. So luckily I got to the point where I was never offered, never had to cave to peer pressure. And then I got old enough to know that if I was offered one, what the hell would I want to start that nasty habit? I'm in full support of increasing Did the taxes on cigarettes. Did I go cold turkey when I stopped? Yeah, absolutely. Good. That's powerful. Well, somebody, somebody's got to do it. It's not the rest of these people. 50% of long-term smokers die. So, I mean, what's the point? See, when you say that, that's scary. Like, they're going to die. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to die. But, I mean, the, the, their lifelong smoking will be a factor in which how they pass, which is... There's some hard facts there that should scare you straight into not doing it. Nick, I want to thank you for coming on the Oral Pleasure Podcast. You've been a good sport about it. And even though it took us 15 episodes to get you on, you've done a great job. I want to hit you with a little bit of rapid fire before we end the interview. Is that okay? Let's hit it. All right. First car. 1999 Ford Escort ZX2. Have you heard the story about this car? No. I'll, I'll make no, it No, go ahead. No, so I had an Escort ZX2, which is the sporty version, the two-door, the five-speed, and I kept telling all my friends at school. It's my a dad, badass car at my 16. Dad, my dad was giving me a, his, his old car, and I never called it a Ford, never called it an Escort. I just said ZX2 because it sounded cool. And then I remember finally driving it to school when I was 16 and you know, <laughs> feeling like a million bucks, and my friends were like, dude, that's an Escort. It's like, it's an e- ZX2, and they're like, it's an Escort. So... I was proud of it. I told it at 18, and I still wish I had it. Favorite place to eat in Louisville? Ooh, Roosters. Ooh, your Roosters Love guy. the Roosters wings. Can't beat it. You know, I always bring up what's the best chicken around, Chick-fil-A, Canes, Buffalo Wild Wings. What do you like? And I get that answer a lot, actually. Oh, Roosters, Roosters is chick- my spot. No chicken doubt. wings are good there. Most famous person in your phone? Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, my goodness, that's a good one. All right, so I've got a random one that you might... You don't listen to country music, right? No. Do you know who John Party is? Have you ever heard of him? I No, I have not. Well, he's pretty famous, and I have him in my phone. And um, let me see here. Is there a story behind it? Was there? Yes, uh, I met him five to six years ago before he was really anybody and because um, he's a songwriter. And uh, we became buds one evening drinking some beers, and we exchanged numbers, and I actually talked to him like a few months later and then didn't talk to him again and then I think two years later he actually became super famous oh here we go I would say I don't know if this is the most famous as I scroll through my phone here but I do have Jeff Brom's number oh how about that pretty yeah it's pretty fitting right we should call him up here on the podcast yeah see that's one thing I know I know Greg pretty well his brother and people have asked me what are they saying I feel like it would be non-cool of the friendship code to try to pry info you know what I mean I think you're right about that yeah. I think they would look at you much like a media member yeah they were like screw off I thought you were our boys be- I thought you were we were boys be- not because of non-football related things alright few more before we end it first job that you had I worked at Hollister in the St. Matthews Mall. Oh. It lasted a day. Do you know why? Because I sat there, and I didn't have to do anything but stand and act like I, I would unfold shirts, fold them together, and mm-hmm. my only job was to tell people that walked by, have you heard how great our jeans fit? That <laughs> ended it for me, and I quit that job and never went back. So you never did that job? Like you never Oh, I did it for asking, a day, and I, and oh, I left. Oh, okay, yeah. so it was just yeah. too much for yeah, you to handle too after much. a day. Favorite sports memory as a Louisville Cardinal fan? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, 
Does it matter if they've been vacated? <laughs> no, go right. They have been vacated from my brain. But I went to New York for the Big East tournament, the final Big East tournament, as we as we know of the old Big East. Louisville. It was the year they won the championship. But that run uh, in New York City, the improbable comeback against Syracuse, down 18 points in the second half, to be there to witness it, and then that just be a special season. And my dad and I made the trip together. Uh, that one, it's it's a part of that championship season, but that memory itself is what I think of when I think of that year. Can't take my memories away from me, NCAA. That's right. Can't take it. Quick question before our last rapid-fire question. Were you at that Virginia-Louisville game last year in basketball? I was sitting right behind Dingadell. That's where I sit on the press table behind the goal, and uh, I actually heard him ask the referee, can I move? The referee told him, no, you can't. He did it anyway. Well, that's that's the only the inside stuff that you can find on the red zone on 790 KRD 12 to 3 on weekdays. All right, final one. What's the best advice that you've ever gotten? Oh, man. Um uh I would say the best advice I've ever I've ever been given was don't worry about things you can't control. That as far as like life advice. Now, for like career radio advice, um my uh my it, it was worded differently but just be original don't do what everybody's doing don't be afraid to step outside the box um and what we do billy we're all watching the same thing following the same thing we're all talking about the same things that occur put your own spin on it to where people know that they can get what you give only with you and not with somebody else well, it's definitely a good one. And one thing that's resonated with me that you've told me back when I started was is that you can't fake it Oh yeah, you if, you be don't genuine. Know, if you don't know something and you try to talk about it, people will call you out. They will know that you do not know everything that you're saying. But Nick, big thank you for coming on the podcast. We'll have to have you on again uh, later in the future when another U of L event comes up. It was my pleasure being on Oral Pleasure. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you for listening to the Oral Pleasure podcast, the podcast for the short attention span, presented by iHeartRadio. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at BillyRSports and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. Now, it's time for the Sounds of the Week. First down and 10 from the Kansas City 40. He fires right sideline. Gerald Everett caught him in the shoulder at the 10. Tiptoes the sideline. Touchdown, L.A. With 1.49 to go. A 40-yard strike from Goff to Everett, and the Rams are back on the high side. 53-51. Today's lucky bird and guest of honor is named Peas, along with his alternate named Carrots. Even though Peas and Carrots have received a presidential pardon, I have warned them that House Democrats are likely to issue them both subpoenas. Can you get in Phil Mickelson's head? Well, I've been in Phil's head for 20-some-odd years. There's no more trash talking than that. Right there. Just look at the W total. I mean, it's just, uh, I feel great, man. You don't set NBA records being frustrated, so I'm not going to go over here and dwell on missing a couple shots, missing a game-tying shot this early in the season. I'm just going to keep shooting, and they'll fall at a high clip. I guarantee that. The style of football that we'll play, the um, community recognition of our players will, will, will grow. Uh, the opportunity to get out and, and do uh, community enhancement and be involved with uh, um, you know, the, the uh, um, 
be involved with the the, uh, um, the, the, the many um, things. <laughs> I'm having a little uh, heartfelt here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We do not own any of the audio or music played in today's show. Credit to ESPN, ABC News, and iHeartRadio. We'll talk to you guys next time.